This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm just being honest, man. It's, I'm sick of losing. I'm sick. It's, it's point blank, period. I'm sick of losing. It pisses me off every time. I mean, it is what it is, man. I don't. This is just not. I'm not a loser. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week we're joined by staff writer Greg Armstrong. Uh, We're going to talk about where this New York Jets season ranks in terms of most frustrating seasons in their recent history. Greg uh, is one of our younger writers. He's 24. I'm 31. So this is really one of our, this is our first prolonged stretch of Jets incompetence. We were a bit spoiled when we were growing up. Greg in particular, uh, who's technically in a different generation than me, uh, I think has its categorized these days. Uh, And then towards the back (laughs) half of the podcast, we're going to talk about prospective head coaching candidates for the Jets in 2019. Since it's basically a foregone, it is a foregone, conclusion at this point that Todd Bowles will not be back. Greg, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Joe. So for those of you who don't know, and you should know, Greg runs our Instagram day to day. Go follow it. Turn on the Jets underscore Instagram underscore IG. Uh, Greg also Mm -hmm. writes our weekly report card and has pinched it on this podcast a few times. So Greg, you're 24. I'm 31. I've written about this a decent amount of times. The Jets from 1997 through 2010 had this sort of stereotype of being this crazy, incompetent organization. But the reality is, is that they were 500 or better 11 times in that stretch. They made the AFC Championship game three times, uh, and I believe they had six or seven playoff appearances and won six or seven playoff games. This recent eight-year stretch is really... Every Jet fan's maybe 35 and under first taste of what, you know, I think the 70s were like and, and parts of the 80s. Um, I know your dad's a big Jets fan. How have you handled mm-hmm. this sort of stretch of incompetent Jets football? And what is he, how, would, how did he kind of explain and explain it to you and prepare you for this? Well, the first thing he always tells me is that I've been spoiled and I never experienced the Denver AFC Championship game, so I can't really say much. But this team is, it's probably the worst Jets team that I've been a part of since, since I can remember being a fan. I mean, Rex's last year, that was bad, but at least the players were trying for Rex. And you saw the effort on the field. Um, the year after the 2015 season was just a big letdown. But you saw that, you know, these guys were probably going to come off the books and the Jets were going to get younger in 2017. And then 2017 was, okay, we're going to, Tank, hopefully, that didn't end up, end up happening. They had to trade up to get Donald, but they got the quarterback. And then this year, it's just been, you know, the week one game was probably the worst thing that could have happened to this team it, from a fan base's perspective. Everyone was all hyped up. Uh, it put this this kind of high expectations for a team that shouldn't have had those high expectations coming off of that monstrous defensive performance against Detroit. But this whole season has just been like, it's not fun. There's nothing to root for. Jamal Adams is really the only person that you can root for on this team right now. And this whole season was about Sam. And for me going into it, I didn't care about wins. I didn't care about losses. I just wanted to see how Sam was because as we talked about on this site and as Jets fans have talked about through, throughout the entire offseason, we want to see if Sam's going to be the guy for 2019 and 2020. And the one thing that couldn't happen was Sam getting hurt. And what do you know? Sam gets hurt. So this season is basically just a wash. We know the coach is gone. We know some of these players are not going to be here next year. They're starting, you know, 55-year-old Josh McCown, who's throwing checkdowns to Jermaine Curse the entire game. The defense is getting 
torn apart by everyone. They just lost 41-10 to the Bills at home. Like, this season, there's nothing to be excited about. The announcers are even making fun of Todd Bowles' incompetency. The Jets keeping McCagnan and and firing firing Bowles is fine. I want McCagnan gone, but just knowing that we might not be out of the darkness yet, it's just, for me, it's, 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 the, it's the real first taste of, Wow, this is what this is what being a fan of an incompetent franchise is really like. Yeah, I, I tweeted this early in the week, and I've I've been covering this team pretty much over for the last like ten, twelve years. And what covering this team and what being a fan of this team is now sort of devolved into, particularly under this regime, is that the regular season is basically like nine to ten weeks, and then November and December is the off season. So you have ten weeks of football that you're really invested in or nine to 10 weeks of football. And then it's 42 weeks of the off season and looking to the future. And, you know, that's when we see the most traffic. That's when the most interesting stuff is to talk about this team. But, you know, no, like the fact that it's only November, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. And nobody even cares about these week to week matchups. And you're put into a position as a fan where, they're better off if they lose these games. And that is not a fun position to be in as a fan. Normally, Jets-Patriots game, Jets home game, you want to be excited for that game. You want to be excited for it to be a potential upset or a potential statement game for this regime to show that they're making progress. And the reality is is that they're better off if they lose that game. And you're watching guys like McCown and Curse, And it was the same thing kind of last year as well. It's like, why do I care about these guys and how they're playing? And to have to go through that last year, fine, it's one season, I get we've been really bad, but for this year, to now turn into that too, because of Darnold's injuries, because of the general incompetence of the coaching and of the front office, that's a long time for fans to have to root against their team and have such meaningless games in November and December, where you've got to look at the draft standings instead of the playoff standings. And 2016 really quickly devolved into that, too, because they started out 1-5, and five, so the season was basically over before it started. 2014 was the same thing. So they, there's been so many uncompetitive seasons stacked on top of each other that as a fan, it's you know you take a step back and it's just brutal that it's a November Jets-Pats game. There's nothing but Patriot fans there. There's no home field advantage. There's maybe three to five players on the team who are going to be long-term impact guys. And I, I wrote about this this week. There is, there's this weird perception and a lot of people on the beat have been pushing it. And I think why they haven't been pushing on McCadden that there's this big, strong foundation or nucleus in place. There isn't, there's no pro bowl offensive lineman. There's no pass rushers. There are a couple supporting pieces as playmakers, but they're supporting pieces, and they haven't been consistent or healthy, and no one's a bigger fan of Quincy Inouye or Robbie Anderson than me. And then you have a really good safety, Jamal Adams, who's fun to watch, but he's a safety, and there's limited impact sometimes week to week in that. And then you have Darnold, who every fan has a right to be excited about, but he's not even playing right now, and we're getting mixed messages as to whether he's even healthy enough to play. So... I feel like he's definitely not playing against Tennessee. This could be wrong. You know, we're recording this Tuesday. We'll publish it Thursday. But the fact that the Jets released a report on this past Sunday basically setting the expectation that he probably wouldn't play seems to me that he won't. Obviously, if Darnold plays, the main thing to watch this last four or five games is did he make progress? Did he protect the football? Is he playing well? Outside of that, what else is there to watch for? What else are you looking for? I think it could kind of be summed up as 
you want the Jet, you want Donald to play well the last five games, and you want the Jets to lose out. And I say that because you want a higher draft pick, and you want pressure on the front office to also be pushed out with the coaching staff. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the whole, the, really, the entire season was just about you know if they if they if they win, okay, cool. If they lose, you're not too mad about it. You just want to see progression from Donald. As for what I'm watching the entire rest of the season, I texted my friend this Sunday. I would pay you know five, ten bucks a game just to have a camera on Jamal Adams because he's the most electric player on this Jets team right now. And it's not even just the stuff that you see on the broadcast. I have my friend texting me at the games of the stuff after the snap is just it's hilarious. He's pointing at guys, he's drawing at guys. I mean that but that's really it. When you look at this roster, who like you're the most reasonable Jets fan that I know it's probably just Sam and Jamal Adams going to be on this roster, let's say, 2020, no? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's a that's an exaggeration. I think it's that, the cupboard, the, it, it's really like that, like, bear. Um, you know, it's like Adams and Darnold, like, that's your foundation. I, I don't know mm-hmm. these other, there's a few other pieces, I think maybe they could be supporting pieces, but nothing that concrete. Yeah, and I mean, I think the fans... Like, the big topic now is Leonard Williams, and will they re-sign him? I know there's been some chatter on on Jets' Twitter about, could they trade him? I honestly would be okay if they traded him for a second-round pick. I mean, you picked him at six. Yeah, he's not this, you know, world-beater at six, but he's also, there's, I mean, we've talked about it. We pointed it out on the site. There's so many games where he's just a zero, and you can't have that from a number six pick in the draft. Um, but, yeah, like, moving forward, this team... Like, yeah, I'm as big as Chris Yanuna fan as you. They need to start drawing things up besides just screenplays. And the Jets, for guys that are losing their jobs, I mean, you know, 99% losing their jobs and Todd Bowles and probably Jeremy Bates, why are you not drawing plays up downfield? Why are you not trying to do these exotic packages on offense? Why are you just continuing to run out Eric Tomlinson and Jermaine Curse? And, you know, put Robbie Anderson on the outside and throw it to him one time a game. And if he drops it, don't throw it to him again. It's just, it's mind-boggling. Deontay Burnett is inactive. For what reason? We don't know. And we're not going to get it out of bowls either. It's just going to be the same old, oh, well, we're going to play the guys who give us the best chance to win. And that's fine, but draw something up differently. I'm sick and tired of seeing the same, you know, dink and dunk offense where we're throwing it out at third and seven to Jermaine Curse for five yards. What, what does that do? Um... And, I mean, the Pats game was a perfect example. You're down, you're playing against a Pats team that you really don't have any business being in the game in. It's 10-10 at halftime. Why not just come out firing in the second half? Instead, you're running up the middle with Isaiah Crowell. You're getting yourself some third and long. I mean, Jeremy Bates, you don't have a lot to work with. Okay, that's fine. When you watch these other teams, I mean, we saw it last week with the Rams and the Chiefs. It looks like they're playing a completely different sport than the Jets, and then they're, just, they're in the same professional league that they're in. I mean, it, it's mind-boggling. I want to see, just give me something to tune into every Sunday. I don't care if they lose. I, I really don't at this point. Give me something to get excited for. The Pats game every year is the big game on the schedule. Usually not towards the end of the season because the Jets are usually out of it and it's meaningless. But that first Jets-Pats game is usually you know the highlight of our seasons. I mean, that probably says a lot about the state of the franchise anyways, but... The Jets-Pads game is always exciting. And this week, I honestly didn't even want to watch at all. I mean, I know we have to, but I honestly had no like juice to it. It's just like, oh, it's, it's a Jet game. You could, have, you could have told me the Jets were playing, you know, like the, 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 the Lions or something in, in week 12. And I'd been like, oh, okay, that's, that's the, kind of the same mantra I had going into it this week. 
there's just there's no juice to any of it. It's the same same old plays, the same old scheme every single week, and the same things keep happening. The Jets keep losing games. Yeah, they've been historically abysmal on offense, and we've watched some bad offenses. And I, you know, I've shared some of the stats mm-hmm. this week. The team has basically scored. They've scored five touchdowns in five weeks. They've scored six touchdowns in six weeks that have any meaning. I'm not counting touchdowns when they're down, you know, 17-plus points in the second half, and it's garbage time. They basically can't score. And if you take out the Detroit game, which has sort of been this crazy outlier, they have been probably the worst team in the NFL. I mean, they had the two this sort of great two-game home stretch against the Colts and Broncos, who are now hitting their stride after those games. But it has been an absolute wasteland since then. So... We know at a minimum this coaching staff is getting cleared out. The most popular names from, I would say, more of like the mainstream media and the beat writers who cover the team are, are going to be DeFilippo from the Vikings. He's been rumored for the Jets for a while. Uh, they're going to be other big-name offensive coordinator candidates, whether it's Matt LaFleur on the Titans. Um, it's basically they have a young quarterback. Let's go get an exciting name uh, offensively to be the head coach. And I don't necessarily disagree with that logic, but what I think is important to remember is that an offensive coordinator and a head coach are two very, very different jobs. Just because you can call plays and design an offensive game plan does not mean you could be a head coach who builds an entire staff and runs an organization and sets a culture for an organization. It's a very different job. I understand going towards someone with more of an offensive background, but it's going to be equally important as who they hire as their quarterback coach, as their offensive coordinator, and you go get the best candidate. You don't sacrifice getting the best candidate to be a head coach just to get an offensive name. So I say the guy, I say, you know, Tablot from the Chiefs, and he's a special teams coach, but he's been Andy Reid's assistant head coach. He sees how Andy Reid runs a staff and runs a team, and they're successful every single year. If he hires the right offensive coordinator, maybe the guy Taylor that's continuing to be rumored for the Jets, who's somehow going to make a jump in two years from being an assistant receiver coach to being a head coach in New York, maybe you bring him in as an offensive coordinator, and he knows how to build an entire staff and infrastructure around it. It's why I like the thought of bringing in a John Harbaugh if he gets fired, because you know he knows how to do that job. He's not Bill Belichick. He's not a perfect head coach, but he knows how to be an NFL head coach, and there's a reason that the Ravens are 500 or better based every single year and were able to win a Super Bowl under his stewardship. You're taking a risk if you just promote the most popular coordinator. We know this because that's what the Jets did with Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles was celebrated as being one of the best coordinators in the NFL. He was the assistant coach of the year. It's a different job to be a head coach and to hire your own coordinators and build your own staff. So I hope the Jets look at the college level on guys who are head coaches. I hope they're serious bidders for Harbaugh if he's out there. The reality is, though, if the Packers' job is open, the Browns' job is open, um, there's a chance the Cowboys' job could be open. And there's a, you know, if other jobs open, where do the Jets sort of stand in the pecking order of this? And are they left not really to be the top choice and instead have to take a bigger risk? And a guy like DeFilippo or LaFleur, I'm not crazy about DeFilippo because I don't think he's done great work this year. And it looks like Frank Wright, who maybe the Jets should have hired in the first place in 2015, uh, might have been that guy, the main guy to pull from that Eagles coaching staff. But you're taking it, it's a bit of a mm-hmm. crapshoot if you're hiring that guy because you don't know how he's going to translate. What what potential head coach names are you most excited about? Well, first, I don't want to see the Jets just hire an offensive guy just for the sake of hiring an offensive guy. I mean, we've seen we've seen this franchise cater to to the fan base and you can't do that right now. And as for like the 
the top coaching candidates, everyone's talking about how, you know, this Jets team has, it's, a, it's an ideal landing spot. They have the quarterback, you have, you know, boatloads of cash in free agency, and you're probably going to end up with a top five, four pick. The reality is a Browns job is way more appealing than this Jets job. They already have an infrastructure. They have a really good defense. They have weapons on offense, and they have the quarterback. So that's already in place. This Jets team does not have that. Like we like we talked about earlier, they probably have one, two, maybe three guys that you're very comfortable with keeping on this roster long term. And other than that, like it's just just another guys on on the on the team. So I don't think I think this Jets job is appealing, but I don't think it's as appealing as people are making it out to be. As for head coaches, yeah, I think Harbaugh is at the top of the list. We've seen him do it. We've seen him. Being an NFL head coach, we saw him win a Super Bowl with the Ravens. He's probably the most stable guy that's going to come onto the market, um, and I think he would he would bring that kind of culture to the Jets that they need. Uh, as for, I'm really big on Cliff Kingsbury. I I think that the what he did with Mayfield and what he did with Mahomes, um, while that's in the Big Twelve and defenses, you know, it's basically like seven on seven. His play calling is very innovative and. With a guy like Donald and the amount of you know traits that he has, I think he could really bring a lot out of it. Now the question is, can he hire the right guys to do to bring on on defense? We don't know, but he has head coaching experience. He's not just this offensive coordinator from the Big Twelve that's you know coming into the that just got fired and is going to come into the NFL and make a big splash. He has the head coaching experience, so he has experience hiring guys. So those would be probably my top two guys at this point. I just want this Jets team to really, you know, settle down, dive in and and make a rational coaching change. I don't want them to to hire a Charlie Casterly or hire these other people to to make the decision for them. They need to really just buckle down, tune out all the fan noise and really sit down, do a self-evaluation of this roster and a self-evaluation of where they see themselves in two or three years and really bring in a guy that can get the most out of this roster moving forward. I think it's fair. And I mean, I, I think I just want the Jets to think a little outside the box and not go for all the expected names and not be in that situation where they're stuck getting their third or fourth preference. And that's happened with a lot of their recent searches. People forget that, you know, Chris Ballard and Ryan Pace turned down interviewing with the Jets. And before that, you know, Idzik was like their third or fourth choice. Really, McCadden was like their third or fourth choice, too, because the Jets sort of have this weird infrastructure in place with how they go about making these hires. And I, I worry that they're going to constrain themselves by forcing a head coach to come work with a front office that's already on a shorter schedule because they haven't made the playoffs the first four years. So in my mind, if you're going to make the changes, just clean it out. I think that helps your overall search. And I hope that you know, they look at people who are being more innovative. They look towards people who are tapped in to the college game and how that type of offense is evolving into the NFL and people who are more plugged in to scouting and having a beat on the type of players that you're going to want to add. Don't necessarily feel like you have to just go hire the most popular offensive coordinator at the end of the year. Maybe that ends up being the right hire. I just want there to be a wider net cast in that and the Jets to do more due diligence. And, you know, as for these last five weeks, you know, I I hope Darnold plays against the Titans. It seems like he's healthy enough to play, so I I don't know what, what the weight is. You want him to play well. You want him to show progress. You want the offense to show signs of life. 
candidly, you want him to be able to beat Josh Allen head-to-head in a game against Buffalo, although that's going to hurt draft position. It's probably unrealistic. Maybe it's not unrealistic, to be candid. This team actually might be that bad to expect them to lose out and lose 10 straight games to end the season. Usually an NFL team will find a way to stumble into a win or two. I don't think it's happening in Tennessee this week, with or without Darnold. The Titans are basically playing for their lives. The Jets have been an awful road team under Bowles. Uh, I think going to Buffalo is also pretty tough, although that's probably the most quote-unquote winnable game left on their schedule. Then you come home for Houston and Green Bay. Houston's won eight in a row. Deshaun Watson's lighting it up. Green Bay's actually been pretty crappy this year. I don't, I don't know what they got going on over there, but maybe that's the kind of game you could steal. And then, of course, you close with New England, who probably will have something to play for, uh, and that game is up in New England. So I think absolute best-case scenario, this team finishes 5-11 and for the third straight year in a row. I think 3-13 and is on the table. 4-12 and is probably where they settle in, and... You know, that could be the third pick, it could be the fifth pick, or we could be right back at the sixth pick. Where where do you project this final record ending up? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of along the same lines of, I think Buffalo is really the only winnable game left on the schedule. And it sucks that that's in Buffalo because the Jets do not play well there. I mean, I know all too well that they do not play there, play well there. Um, gun to my head, i probably say... Four and twelve, but for me, it's if you win games with McCown, it's terrible. I do not want to see that. If you win games with Darnold, I'm okay with sliding a few positions back. As, as bad as that sounds, and as you know, as hurt as some fans are going to see us, maybe end up with a sixth or seventh pick. I'd rather win some games with Darnold at the end of the year and see him progress and be like, oh, okay, this is legit the guy that's going to be here and can take us to the next level then you know win these games with McCown throwing for 40 times and you know curse having two touchdowns because that's all he targets so if I had to if I had to say I'd probably say four and 12 just like you said the the ball bounces weird ways in some games the only winnable game I I like on this schedule is is Buffalo and even that is you know 50 50 going into Buffalo these are not good times. These are not good times. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we will plow through on these last five weeks here, as we always do. We're certainly well-practiced in doing that here at TOJ. I think a lot of what we're going to talk about in the remaining articles and podcasts are going to be looking forward to head coaching candidates, potential GM candidates, um, the NFL draft, of course. I think you got a mock draft coming out tomorrow as well. Uh, talking yep. free agency like we did on the Le'Veon Bell podcast and looking at other potential targets there because really this this needs to be built from scratch again and you know we're kind of back where we were four years ago uh, with no playoff appearances to show for it so uh, there's a lot to be done this offseason uh, we got Jets Titans this week it sounds like Sam Donald probably will not play uh, beyond that the Jets should be relatively healthy uh, Marcus May and James Carpenter may be still sort of game time decisions, but beyond that, they sh- they should be pretty healthy. We should see Anderson and Anuwa continuing to play throughout the rest of the season. All right, Greg, thank you for joining us. Everyone, make sure to follow us on Instagram, where Greg is doing great work. Turn on the Jets underscore IG. Give Greg a follow on Twitter as well, Greg Armstrong underscore. Uh, and, of course, follow me on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. Hit us with a rating on iTunes. We're almost at 300, and we will be back next Thursday with another podcast. Greg, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me.